You're listening to A Strange Arrangement. Hello, and welcome back to the show where we take a guest artist and an old song, put them in a room together, and see what comes out after a while. And one thing we haven't talked a lot about yet is instrumentation and how that can affect your arrangement of a song. If you have access to a multitude of instruments, you might want to consider how the timbres of a certain instrument affect the arrangement. Timbre is the character of an instrument, different than the pitch that it plays or how loud it is. Basically, it depends on what an instrument is made of and how the sound waves move through the air. And that helps us tell the difference between an instrument such as the xylophone and the glockenspiel. It's the difference in sound between an acoustic guitar and a baritone ukulele. And it's even the difference between an ocarina and another ocarina. Why do I own two of these? And because each instrument has a unique sound and character to it, an important consideration is what instrument to use, where and when. If I want the melody in Old Lang Syne to feel a little powerful, a little punchy, a tenor recorder might not do the trick. not good at the tenor recorder. And if you're adding to an existing track, you got to think about what, where, and how. What can you add to the song that will work with what's already there? Where are you going to put it? And how will you do it in an artful, meaningful way? Say, for example, you've got this, like, really catchy pop song. I don't know, say, 24 Karat Magic by Bruno Mars. Okay, okay, nice layers. It's funky, it's hip. What can we do to give it a little more edge, more punch, maybe make some interesting rhythms pop out here and there? What about adding a horn section, a saxophone, and a trumpet? Now, what would that sound like? I'd like to introduce you to the Gullah Brothers, a two-person horn section that plays around the New York area while simultaneously growing an online following by throwing wind instruments on top of popular songs on TikTok. They have a strong, polished sound, and their arrangements really bring a new energy to each song that they work with. Plus, we haven't had any wind instruments on the show before, so I'm excited to see this song arranged from that perspective. But on top of all that, they really go the extra mile. I thought this week I'd get an arrangement of Old Lang Syne for one saxophone and one trumpet, and I would have been very happy. What I got was, like, way more. Way, 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 way more. And I can't wait to get into it. So, without further ado, here's Michael and Andrew Golub, our guests this week on A Strange Arrangement. My name is Michael Golub. And my name is Andrew Golub. We are the Golub Brothers. We're a horn section that gigs around New York City primarily. 
We want to start off by saying thanks to Rob McCarthy for having us on. It's a really mm -hmm. cool idea for a podcast, and we're honored to be part of it. Yeah, it was a really fun challenge to put together an arrangement of this song. After some consideration, we landed on an acapella horn chorale as the vehicle that we were going to use to fuel this arrangement. The instrumentation is flute, clarinet, soprano saxophone, tenor saxophone, and bass clarinet played by Andrew. And then there are five trumpet tracks, all played by Michael, oscillating back and forth between flugelhorn and trumpet, depending on whatever that musical moment called for. We're going to get into a couple of the different arranging techniques that we use to put this together. Starting with the intro, we decided to compose a cascading line that descends through the parts from highest to lowest, starting with the flutes, then bringing in our clarinets, bringing in the soprano sax, the tenor sax, and then the bass clarinet, having the brass mimic each voice, uh, dumbling in certain places, bringing in other chord voices in other places. Although we did end up removing a lot of the voices we had in place. Yeah, dealing with a 10... 10 plus. 10 plus, because we can have more than one instrument per stave. We did, in certain cases. One that immediately comes to mind is in the intro, there's this chord in between. There's these two big chords with the brass and the woodwinds. And in between, there's one chord that's just flutes and clarinets, but it's full chords stacked with just those two instruments. So it's kind of interesting. That's not something you would normally see in, say, an orchestral setting or even a, a big band setting, because your five reed players wouldn't be able to cover the multiple flute and clarinet parts that we had in place. On the chords Michael's talking about, we ended up with seven clarinet parts, seven individual clarinet parts, and seven individual flute parts layered on top of each other to create this big cluster chord that then feeds into our third chord that is formatted that we then reintroduce to brass and the rest of the woodwinds. And that leads us to the first big arranging technique that we're going to talk about, which is timbre and instrumentation and how that helps create dynamic contrast. Yeah, specifically in this case, we use the clarinets and the flutes to create a really big chord that still has a lightness and an airiness to it because of the nature of those instruments. Even put into a cluster chord, it's still a relatively light sound as compared to if we wrote that chord for the brass or the tenor saxophone or sure. the bass clarinet. And that way when we drop into the next chord, which I believe is the five sus, right? Mm -hmm. When we drop into that chord, it has more weight to it leading into what will be the melody because the previous chord had a lighter airiness to it, not necessarily because of the voicing, but because of the instrumentation and the timbre of the instruments. Sure, sure. Moving on, we split the melody into two different sections. The first section, we want it to be a little bit warmer, so we gave the melody to the flugelhorn, while in the second section, we gave the melody to the trumpet because we wanted the intensity level to be raised up a bit. In addition to the change in instrumentation fueling this higher intensity in the second half, the harmonic rhythm also plays a large role. In the first half, the woodwinds that are accompanying the flugelhorn melody are playing in half notes for the majority of the time, just hitting the big beat, big pulse. Uh, and then in the second half with the trumpet, we actually only used trumpet to outline the harmony and had all the trumpets playing in rhythmic unison. Moving back to the beginning of the melody for a second, we have the reeds supporting the flugelhorn melody. It starts out with three, and as it continues, we add another one and we add another one. And this creates dynamic contrast and also an increase in intensity through adding instruments, not necessarily raising dynamic level, which is a really interesting way to build, um, to build tension and, and to build intensity. 
In the second half, like we said before, we did want to build that intensity up. So to do that, we gave the melody to the trumpet and then harmonized that melody through all five trumpet voices in rhythmic unison. This whole section of the song was inspired by gospel organ voicings, and it's something you might hear in a gospel shout chorus. It sounds something like this if I were to play it on organ as opposed to all on trumpets. Really tight voicings, not a whole lot of spread. Everything is basically within a third. And this creates, when arranged for trumpet, a very rich sound. Driving right to the end of the tune, we bring in the reeds once again to create sort of the climax after hearing this, these really tight and rich trumpet voicings, bringing in the lower end of the winds, bringing the intensity as high as it could go with the instrumentation that we created right up until the end when we have that final cadence and then it just lands on that big root note in the bass clarinet. We created this kind of opposite cascading rhythm, opposite to the intro. While the intro started high and descended, we start low and we ascend at the end to land on this last chord. In F major nine with an added six. And with that chord, that brings us to the end of our arrangement. We'd once again like to thank Rob McCarthy for having us on his podcast. It was super fun to be a part of it, and we hope you all enjoyed our segment. And now, here's the whole arrangement. thank Andrew and Michael very, very much for going above and beyond the call. I think their music is amazing, and I hope you'll all listen to it. So where can we find your stuff? You can find us on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Gala Brothers Music. Right now, we have a whole bunch of different arrangements that we've done of ourselves playing tenor saxophone and trumpet. But coming in the very near future, we have some original music planned and some live shows that we'll be sharing on those platforms as well. Thank you all so much, and we really hope you enjoyed it. The Strange Arrangement was produced by me, Rob McCarthy. I edit and mix the show, and I recorded our theme music. 
Our artwork was done by Daniel Joel Newman. You can find more of his work at danieljoelnewman.com. Special thanks to Elizabeth Stahl for edits and the show's intro. If you like the show and you want to support us, don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast listener of choice. Don't forget to leave a rating and review. Uh, Also, feel free to visit our website, asamusicpodcast.com, where you can find more about our guest artists. You can find sheet music to the arrangements. You can leave a comment under the episodes, what you liked, what you didn't like, what you'd like to see more of. Next week, I'm going to talk about trying to use rhythm to trick your audience. So check that out next week on A Strange Arrangement. Come on. Why do I own this?